welcome to episode 28 of Love It or Hate It with Angelique and Elizabeth. And we literally just got out of The Lion King and could not wait to talk about this movie. It's the circle of love. Uh, love it or hate it. I was, yeah, no, was going to try it. and make the pun no, and she was didn't. really going for the song. <laughs> that, the pun was better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they were they were they were great in their own ways. Just like these two movies. Yes, just like <laughs> The Lion King. Um We're both versions. We were we were literally debating this in the theater. Um so we decided to take it to the microphone. Yeah, take it to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um I just like I really don't even know where to start other well, than let's love start. it or hate it, Elizabeth. Uh I will I'll say love it. Uh, shocker of the century. I loved it. Um I am a major fan of the first. I know you really enjoy it as well. I do. It's still definitely one of my favorites. Like, it's a close second to Aladdin, for sure. So where do you fall in terms of comparison to the first? Or, actually, I'll just ask you that. Oh, um, between the cartoon and the yeah, like, do computer you feel cartoon? Like, do, you, do you feel like the computer cartoon, the photo reel, the photo as, reel as Disney and John Favreau would like us to call it? Which is true, because it's not like they take lions or like... You know, hit your mark. Oh, exactly. bad kitty, bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I wish, sort of, that we could have seen them try and direct animals, but then we get into circus stuff, and it yeah, gets it's depressing. Thing. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Um, no, I liked it. I thought um, there was a lot of stuff that, to me, was shot for shot, to a point where I was like, eh, I saw it before. I saw it 20-some-odd years ago. I don't hate seeing it in this different version that you called it like the what are the disney uh, live act or the disney, oh, Do- like disney nature disney nature yes. documentaries disney yeah. nature documentaries or yeah. i just saw something that said national geographic chic yes and i think that's spot on so it's like cool and it's very interesting to look at and i liked they there were additions i just for a it started off very like exact shot for shot re- remake in a way so it started to feel like well i mean this is nice but i, I don't know there's other stuff that you could make, too. I just spitballing here. And a lot of people have criticized the movie and criticized Disney's live-action movies, not including this one, but as just kind of being a money grab. Yeah. And, yeah, it sucks that there's a lot of movies kind of being remade, rebooted. That's mm-hmm. the culture that we live in right now. But for me, every single moment of the shot for shot is actually what I liked the most. <laughs> um, because I think as a kid who grew up, I was when the first Lion King came out. Mm-hmm. So playing these movies mm-hmm. was like all that we did as kids. Right. So we would just like pretend to do the Lion King stuff and we would pretend to play Pocahontas and we would pretend oh, to yeah. play like all of these things. But we wouldn't like often, sometimes we would like make up other stories. Right. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, we would just like do the dialogue from the movie and try <laughs> and do like all the movements from the movie. So seeing it as real animals for whatever reason, yeah. just really touched me. And it just re- reminded me how powerful some of the imagery is yeah. in the first Lion King and how brilliant it was in terms of the storytelling and the, the these sweeping camera angles. It, I think what makes Lion King so cool in itself already is that it's so cinematic. Yeah. Um, and there, and moving forward, I think a lot of the Disney movies especially were, I, mm-hmm. I think of like shots in Pocahontas or shots in... Um, uh, I don't know what movie I was thinking of next. Uh, what's funny is I read a while ago that originally Pocahontas was going to be like the prestige project mm-hmm. and Lion King was like, eh, yeah. we'll, we'll work on it and we like it, but it's like not this grand thing. And now it's like 
people say it's the best, like, of the animated bunch. I mean, probably on, like, a technical mm-hmm. level and, like, dramatical level. I mean... I feel like on the storytelling story, level, yeah, storytelling pretty tell- solid. That, yeah. So, like, you know, I don't argue that. Um, I just happen to like Aladdin because it's funnier. Totally. <laughs> but totally. that's just, t- that's taste. Fun. That's not a quality issue. Exactly. Um, and I do think that that's probably also why things really picked up for you once we hit the Timon and Pumbaa yes, section. Ex- yes. And it does. It, it is a much more fun movie once mm-hmm. that happens. I, I think that's even the case in the cartoon to ex- an extent, mm-hmm. except with the musical, like, I just want to, I just can't wait to be king. That's a very vibrant number yeah. in the cartoon and I'm, Unfortunately, it was cool to see all the live-action animals, but it lost a little of that pizzazz because there wasn't the colors and, like, uh-huh. the, you know. Well, I was, like, super happy that we didn't have the animal pyramid again. Oh, yeah? That stressed you out? I just was, like, I just would have, I felt like that would have been stupid. Mm-hmm. Because it's so fun and animated because, you know, you have these animals climbing up on top of each yeah. other and then they squash Zazu at the end and it's hysterical. And it's car- but it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. So it's that was, a, like, yeah. yeah, that was one of the main moments that when they changed it, I was very happy. Right, it, it like, I was like, oh, well, I like the colorful version, but they've established that these are real, real animals. animals. <laughs> They're moving like real animals. They, yeah. They're talking like real animals would talk if they could talk. Yeah. Which I thought is interesting. I've cut, we were, in the time since seeing the movie and discussing it, I originally was a little... Not as excited by the fact that their mouths didn't animate a ton when they talked for all the different animals, but as it's grown on me that it didn't, because I think you're right, and it would have looked like ventriloquist dummy weird, or just like, it would have skewed from this kind of beautiful photoreal, like, look they had going to like, Oh, like raw, like it's wrong. Oh God, it's wrong. Like, why are they moving that way? Yeah. It would make them feel like they were like cursed or something. Because every all the other movements were very natural. The yeah. t- the more animated human jaw talking mm-hmm. on a lion would have like made it unnatural, and then you totally. get into like the uncanny valley and all. Yeah, that and when you have stuff. this like naturalistic kind of situation, yeah. you you want it to feel very natural. And yeah, and the other thing that made this whole movie feel very natural for me was I do think the casting is oh, yeah. impeccable. Mm-hmm. It is spot on. Everyone brings the character to life. And it, and not in a way where they're like mimicking the performance of other people because they're mm-hmm. actually like there's definitely they made sure to let them make it their own yeah. in both their speech patterns and in their singing. Because there, there are moments, of course, as people who've listened to the soundtrack mm-hmm. a billion times where you know what the next note is supposed yeah. to be. <laughs> and then they do another note and you're like, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, your version's fine. better. It's That's fine. fine. It's fine. Do your thing. Um, But they also do the same thing with just the way that they speak. And mm. Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner is holy hands down my favorite part of this movie. Because, um... The thing I was reading just beforehand is the, it was like a little bit of an interview, and the original Timon and Pumbaa are very vaudeville broad, mm-hmm. and him and Seth Rogen together were a more modern take on that. Yeah, that I think like current audiences will obviously like, and I thought it was so they're they're just so funny. They have perfect chemistry yeah. in in a way that it, it could um yeah I just I was incredibly impressed. With how they brought that together. And it's funny because for a long time, I wasn't really on board with Billy Eichner. 
Same, because I don't like yelling. I don't like, exactly. I okay, don't like yelling. Okay, don't come at me <laughs> and act like I should like yelling because I do that on this I know, podcast. we get excited. It's different. No, that's my bad impression. <laughs> um, no, because it seemed like his shtick for the longest time was just yelling, and then it kind of expanded, and he built on it, and now he's doing such a variety of things, and I'm like, oh, I get why people maybe came on board in the first place, or maybe they saw other things he did beforehand that I didn't, and, uh... So, so he's, like, toned down and he doesn't do that yelling thing. Yeah. And has, as it turns out, a beautiful voice. I had no idea. No. Tremendous mm-hmm. voice. Um, and, and I think he also uses, it, it is, it is totally a Billy Eichner yes. performance. Like, yeah. you, it's not like you mistake him for somebody else. Yeah. But his stick works so yeah. well in Timon that it's, it's really, really brilliant. The kind of very frenetic energy mm-hmm. that he has. Um, in that kind of version of his comedy, and it awesome. fits for a little meerkat because they're very skittish and yes. skittery. And some of like in some of the moments where Pumbaa's like a little, they just the way that they banter back and forth, and the times when Pumbaa's kind of like exasperated yeah. with with Timon. You, I feel like I could literally see Seth Rogen's face in yeah. this warthog, yeah. which I mean that with all of the, <laughs> love, all of the love in the world. Because um, we were joking, I, we talked a little about it, I think previously on a different episode, but that, like, when they first released the character posters, there were these straight-on shots of the characters, and so people were like, Tuma, or not Tuma, Pumbaa's ugly, and it's like, well, he's a warthog, what'd you think he was gonna look exactly. like? And warthogs aren't that hideous, like, no, they're not. but they're also not, like, cute and cuddly, you right. don't, you didn't, like, grow up they're with not- a- Warthog teddy bear. There's a reason you grew up with a teddy bear. <laughs> They're not soft and round like the animated cartoon. Yes. All the harshness is very softened in the animation. Uh, but then we got the thing that had just about everybody in our theater screaming with glee was a little baby Pumbaa. Baby Pumbaa. <laughs> baby Pumbaa baby is Warthogs the new baby very... Groot. Okay? Yeah. I say it now, and I stand by it. Baby warthogs are very cute, as it turns out. Before mm-hmm. they get their little tusks and everything, they are adorable. And so during the uh, Akuna Matata singing when I was a young warthog, and the whole flashback, he's sitting in a little mud puddle farting, and it's the cutest little pig. <laughs> and they say fart this time. And they do say fart. Which I thought was genius, because if yeah. they were going to do Hakuna Matata, they had to make it teensy a little bit different. Yeah. And to take the most iconic line and do that, I thought was yeah. absolutely genius. And I'm reading in our interview that um, confirmed they did record together. Oh, which good. Is, that you could tell. You yeah. you really could tell because the way that they kind of banter back and forth and step over each other's lines mm-hmm. would have been really hard to do it's, um, yeah. if they were recording separately like most voice recording performances are. Mm-hmm. But they like all did Hakuna Matata together, yeah. like with Donald. And I... Love that. They joked a lot in this interview with Variety about, um, like, singing and sharing, like, a singing credit with yeah. with Beyonce and <laughs> Donald Glover. Like, how does that happen for Seth Rogen? Like, right? when you look at your life, you never imagine, not only am I going to be in a movie with Beyonce, but, like, I'm going to share a song credit with Beyonce. Yeah. That's nuts. That is insane. But it's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're just... Everything about their their pairing was perfect. And yeah, this whole not saying fart thing where he goes, hey, Pumbaa, not in front of the kids and that whole... It's, oh, that's, sorry. 
yeah, that's all the vaudeville stuff. And so, like, letting him say fart. And then he says something like, well, weren't you going to stop me at some point? Yeah. And, like, it's such a fun way to call out that moment mm-hmm. for the adults in the crowd who probably remember that line well, too. And then, and that's where we all learned as little eight-year-olds or four-year-olds or however old you were <laughs> to, like, like, I'm going to be a vaudevillian. Basically, yeah. I was like, it's okay. I still watched it when I was eight, too. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't you fret. The Lion King be on repeat in my home. Nathan Lane taught a, a whole generation how to be little vaudeville stars. Mm-hmm. Show enough. <laughs> Straight out of New York. From New York to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was reading something else kind of talking about how... Um, um, sorry, about how um, Nathan and Ernie, like, had previously worked together, yeah. and, like, they had the that chemistry and that relationship, and I love how easily um, it seems like Billy and Seth were able yeah. to, like, recapture that. Mind you, this is a movie that was made over three years. Beyonce only had one child when this movie first was this announced. This was made over three years? Three years. It took three years to make this movie. John Favreau was explaining to me that, I'm like, shocked. not only did he... So he made the Chef Show in that time. He made Home, Far From Home, and Endgame, basically over the same period that he was making the. Well, Lion when the King. hell was he directing the Lion King? <laughs> you know, when the rest of us are sleeping, this I man suppose. was working. I really, truly don't know how he was like how he did all of this. I, I, it's like kind of insane, but I don't I mean Dick can take any way, anything away from him, but. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of that work is on VFX artists. Exactly. That's kind of what it like comes I, down to. I'm not trying to, to that's how, him. No, but, but that's how he can do it over yeah. three years. Like, obviously, he's signing off on a lot of things. But that's why you have to, you know, obviously make mention that this is a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way it was with the animated project. Yeah. And I, I, I personally maybe feel like that's, I feel like it's kind of cooler. I mean, all movies are a team effort. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Um, but I like the fact that, like, this was such a a group all hands on deck project that all of the cast was very involved that Beyonce was coming in Mm -hmm. even not even when she was recording they were you know going over the music together she descended from on high she descended from on high um, I like joking around like Beyonce but she is (laughs) definitely on another she's on a whole other literally pretty much on another plane yeah which is fine um and I actually liked that um, one of the big changes in this is that they give Nala a bit more to do because mm-hmm. young Nala is like pretty, she's got a big old personality. Yeah. She's got a lot going on. Adult Nala is just kind of like a sexier Nala. A sexy Nala. Which you're like, that's a little weird, but okay. Where this Nala is like you as uncom- Nala warrior princess. Were you as uncomfortable during Can You Feel the Love Tonight as I was? I was like, <laughs> these lines are like about to get it on. These lines are good. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> What do lines? I don't need to know. Never mind. Can you feel the love? I don't need to know how lines procreate. Oh, she's really okay. Stop my world. Uh, I mean, the music's great. It's Lion King. It truly is fantastic. Um, and the new music is fantastic. You get uh, Beyonce's spirit in the movie. That was a jam. It it is a jam. We haven't heard it start to finish Mm because it's not like the whole song plays. It's a movie, people. Um, it's not her movie. She's a whiff. Yeah. Um, but it, you get enough of it and it's in a part that makes sense. They yeah. don't like take, and maybe they do take out another song that was right there that I just don't remember. I think no. they just replace score. Yeah. They, cause, uh, cause the, her song comes when they, 
when he goes back to Pride Rock for the big finale. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember correctly, he goes back, like, she leaves. Yeah. And she's like, what a bummer, you're a, a do-nothing uh-huh. loser. Oh, you can call him a do-nothing bitch. <laughs> um, no, saving, okay, Robin I was, Rousey. I was saving <laughs> bitch for the freaking hyenas. We'll get there. Oh, we will get there. <laughs> um, but she leaves, I think, without him. Or he leaves without her. Either way, he's she, running. She leaves without him. Yeah. And she, they don't. They don't catch up to each yeah, other. Yeah, like this, this and it's just score as he's kind of pounding his way back through the desert yeah. to get to Pride Rock. Uh, and then, so this time it's the two of them leaving together. He catches up with her, and that's when the uh, spirit kicks in. And it's a pretty like you know suitably epic like yeah. Go it's go a, claim go it. claim your right, young man. Yeah. And it's like yeah, go get it, go get it, Simba. <laughs> um speaking of hyenas though they were a lot scarier i think this go around um yes they definitely played the hyenas on the scarier side than the funny silly yeah. side even though they had eric andre and um keegan michael key yeah. playing the two kind of like sillier ones but, but they the did rest make... of them were really creepy <laughs> they were very creepy and there i felt like were way more of them there were way more hy- yeah there's they I mean, there is the whole Be Prepared song where there's a huge bunch of them, so you can do that uh, Triumph of the Will shot where mm-hmm. they all march like little Nazis. Um, maybe uh, that's why they didn't do maybe Be Prepared the right way. It's actually kind of a little bit of what I'm, I was reading on trivia that kind of implied that that's maybe why they didn't do it. But, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recreate that shot if I was doing... You're not... If you're doing the natural movements as we discussed earlier, you can't get hyenas to goose step that's just not how hyenas move. Yeah, they're like, we don't do that. So, it, I don't mind, obviously, and boo Nazis. Hyenas don't want to be Nazis either, yeah. thank you. Um, I mean, the, the point was that Scar was evil, and they were just trying to get asso- that association. Anyway, um, but they were just like, way, they just showed way more of them more often. Yes. Like, I feel like it would be Scar, the three comic relief hyenas yes. most of the time, and then you'd get a few more at key points, but like... Constantly, there was a giant pack of them. Which, then, to me... Because I think when I was younger, it never made sense to me, like, how he was running shit with, like, three hyenas. Yeah. I was like, oh, you and three hyenas against all these female lions? Yeah. That seems weird. But now it's like, oh, no, 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 there were, like, 3,000 hyenas. It made it a believable threat. And, uh, they really intensified the elephant graveyard scene because there's all these, um... Tunnels and Tunnels and stuff, and their heads come Boom, you know, pounded mm, through holes. Very stressful. And it's very, you know, snappy jaws and everything. It's very stressful. And then the lead uh, hyena bitch, because she's a female dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you were holding on to there. Yeah, that was like, good. It's like, I gotta make this joke. Um, she was very intimidating. I like that it was, she was more of like a leader yes. character yes. and a little more in charge, I think. Versus just like Whoopi and being, I mean, she was kind of in charge. Uh, Whoopi was authoritative in the cartoon. Yeah, sure. but she was more like the authoritative level of like Keegan's yeah. uh, hyena in this character, yeah. in this one. And uh, she was voiced by Florence Kasumba, I yes. I'm saying. who had a mm-hmm. feature role in Black Panther. Panther. And when... I was like, oh my god. Uh, so exciting. Um, she has a great beautiful speaking voice and i was like she didn't say anything in black panther oh my god give her lines she's great she got like she maybe says a few little yeah it's like very little though give florence kasimba more lines i want to hear her beautiful voice yes yes um so it was kind of cool and i like that she and nala kind of face off at the end just a little extra yeah it gives it it gives it a little something a little something a little something you know a little sprinkle of extra 
business, which is always nice. At first, I thought she was facing off with um, Sarabi. Oh, yeah. I thought she was facing off with Simba's mom, and then I realized it was Nala, and I was like, well, that makes more sense, because the fact that Sarabi faced off with Scar, I was like, okay, girl, you still, like, I know you're, <laughs> like, a mom now, but, like, you're very, you're still very fierce, and it just made me wonder about, like, again, like, the age range of everyone. I was like... Oh, don't think too hard about how actual lion prides work. It's going to freak you right out. <laughs> I was like, how old is everyone? Because, like, all those lions are related. Well, yeah, we know that. Mm. There, I mean, that's why there's only two male lions and all the rest of them were girls. But I mean, like, Nala and Simbra are related. Yeah. Okay. They're half-siblings. So you're not as freaked out. No, no, I mean, I just have, ex- I've, I spent some time working through that as a younger child. <laughs> yes. It's, you're, it's age very 12, biblical. Yeah. <laughs> age 12 was real wild. Yeah. Also, it works a little differently in the animal kingdom. It's all... Yeah, like, unless she's Scar's kid, who else's kid is she? He's the only male lion in the piece. Just the sexy rogue lion we never got to meet. <laughs> yeah, he died in battle, even though the dudes don't battle. Right. Because... Women rule. Women do everything. Which I do appreciate that they really showed more of in this. Yeah. More of the women hunting and the fact... And I... I did the women go, like, chase off the hyenas in the original movie? I don't think they did. I don't remember that. That was just, like, a tiny reference that they threw in there yeah. that I was like, yeah, the women are security. <laughs> um... Yeah. <laughs> Got, like, a little too excited about that. Sorry, Well, guys. Uh, it was funny. I... We looked at each other when it happened, and I actually couldn't tell what your reaction was, even though we did it, was they amped up Sarabi a little bit, too, because, in, you know, in the cartoon, she, you know, calls Scar out and is like, oh, there's, you know, there's no more food, we can't, there's nothing to hunt. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I feel like he must ask her to be his queen as well. But he does, but he, like, only asks once. Yeah. In this the amplified the very Hamlet-y element of it, of, like, Baby, I love you. Be my queen. Oh, when they talk about the fact that he that she chose rejected Mufasa. him before, I yeah. was like, "Well, then get over it, bro." And then he brought it up three more times. Yeah, so that I was like, "So we're still salty that she decided to date your brother." Which, by the way, y'all, what? what? <laughs> Remember? I mean, I get it. There were two of you, and there, yeah. but she had very limited choices. She wanted the king, not the king's brother. Yeah, and it's fun. Uh, and your mangy. It's just kind of like. I, I, it doesn't ruin it or anything. But no, I just, just kind of wish that, because Scar in the cartoon was just, just straight up wanted the power and wanted yeah, to be Yeah, power for power's sake. Instead of, he was, had hurt feelings because a girl rejected Cause, him. Because, yeah, that, I was like, that's, well, was little, that was the look on my face when yeah, I was trying to look same. at you in the dark in the No, we, we were having <laughs> the exact same reaction because I think it's also really upsetting, um, because as a woman in real, like, human life, mm-hmm. women are incredibly susceptible to retaliation and violence yeah. from men based on rejecting them. Mm-hmm. So it really bugged me that that was part of the reason why yeah. he was trying to take over as king was because she rejected him technically sexually. Yeah. I was like, nah. I was like, nah, Not nah, about that. Nah. He simply should only want power yeah. for power's sake. It was actually a lot more appropriate. So then. that was a little... Look. That's if he if he was mad at her because she wouldn't submit. Yeah, like procreate with him now. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be that upset about it because because that would be power and all. Yeah, that he was yeah. saying that you know you're now my queen because I'm now the king. Whatever. I mean, then that yeah. sounds really rapey. So, but that's uh, but yeah, but, but yeah, it's still this, like you went for my jack brother. I hate you. You're a slut. Like yeah, 
and now it's like it just for whatever reason would have been just slightly different if he wasn't interested in her romantically until after he was already king and trying to you know also none of that was established before that scene so that really came out of left left field field. i was like whoa i would like to see a prequel we both like leaned over like wait a minute i'd like to see see the the days of our lives version of the lion king the uh the breakfast club of lion king where they all have to sit (laughs) in pride rock together with zazu I got you for two months, Scar. <laughs> you mess with the hornbill, you get the horn. That's funny. I like that. That's pretty good. Um, um, I thought oh, John Oliver was so good. John Oliver was delightful. He was great, and I just can't wait to be king. Yeah. Because that was a hard part in that, weirdly enough, and mm-hmm. this is going to sound insane, but I ha- had to. I wanted to feel like the bird's slightly out of breath from having yeah. to like find these kids. And when he's, like, in the panic moments of, like, he can't see them underneath all of the feet, yeah. he sounds like a panicked parent. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm gonna lose my job, I'm gonna lose my job, oh my fired. god, I'm gonna get fired. Because um, I lost the future king. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was definitely a fan of that moment, as, as well as some of his more heroic turns. And I liked when they... Uh... They play with him and pounce on him as a joke while he's, like, giving the morning report. And then he goes, it's the news! <laughs> yes! yes. <laughs> there are very slight tweaks to the dialogue yeah. in this movie that I, aside from that horrible scar moment, yes. mm-hmm. um, that I thought really were, they added to it in terms of, like, the bringing it into current, present day. Yeah. They made it more current. Um, that really worked for me. That mm-hmm. was one of them. There were some other, there were a couple other, like, more overt like political messages particularly in the part where they're talking about hakuna matata and why it's like a terrible idea yeah it's like oh we don't care about other people and how like yeah if if that if that's so wrong then aren't we just evil yeah like aren't we bad but we're not so it's fine like (laughs) and it's clearly a like a little bit of political commentary there but it's it's to not be so selfish yeah but it's awesome and i like the expanded world that pumbaa and timon live in with all the other little critters that are really cute and fun literally so adorable i've got to (laughs) say um, and we, you get, a, like, a few more, like, fun, like, voice surprises, yeah. too. Um, and I, wish, I just... I wish I knew who voiced that gazelle that Simba accidentally scares, because that sounded somewhat familiar, and I... I wonder if they've added it. I don't know. Because there's, uh... Cause Simba, well, Amy Sedaris plays yeah. one of the characters, which is pretty fun. Um, She's the elephant shrew, which is the, the cute little mouse-looking so, so thing precious. with a little big nose. They also add to one of the musical numbers um, in, you know, their fancy place. Oh, yeah. No, she's listed as Elephant Shrew yeah. online. So, um. But there was somebody else. I I feel like it must have been somebody who Simba accidentally sneaks up on it. It's like a gazelle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, antelope? Antelope. One of the two. I don't know the difference. I don't know animals. That's <laughs> what um, I've learned. I used to, boy howdy, but I don't anymore. Um. And it, uh, it just was really, it's, it's just a cute, it, it just adds to the cuteness of their little world and makes it a little more interesting because one in the cartoon, it's just the three of them in that whole big jungle space. So it is kind of like, yeah, wouldn't there be more, totally more critters and there are, and they're all adorable. Truly um, so cute. Um, also so cute and so adorable. Um, Shahadi Wright Joseph and oh. JD McCrary do a bang up job. They actually performed at Essence Fest and uh, they performed at Just Can't Wait to Be King. Aww. And so when I heard it again today, I was like, it's so good. They're 
they're so cute. They're so talented. Of course, Shahadi has already had a big year by being the creepiest child ever in Us. The um, cutest little <laughs> kitty cat and the creepiest child. Yep. And then JD, of course, burst onto the scene when he did that amazing Grammys performance yeah. with um, Donald and then was in Little earlier this year as well. And I just think they are so precious. As you said in the infamous scene where Mufasa dies. He destroyed me. He he really does. He, his, his voice acting is very powerful yeah. through that whole segment of loot of loss mm-hmm. um and it really works I i'm think, like because is of that, that actual child's crying i'm gonna be so upset <laughs> yeah, you're re- and it's just so impressive yeah. to see these young actors be able to pull that kind of emotion out of you or out of themselves yeah. to kind of put on screen and it's it's really um it's really impressive and speaking of we gotta talk about how hard we cried for the umpteenth time at the specific disney theater Yes. Where we seem to catch, like, really... Freddy Christopher Robin. We sobbed. Sobbed at the wrinkle in time. That was, that was, that was borderline uh, therapy. That was Well, you guys know. Yeah, you heard that episode. That episode. Um, and you, the, she really, let me tell y'all, she really <laughs> let it have it during the whole sequence Shut of Impossible Night. No, it was so sweet because there were many, You cried many, in the beginning. I did. I cried multiple <laughs> times throughout the movie. Um, I cried in the beginning. I cried when Simba's trying to wake him up. I think yes. I cried again um, when he's when he's when looks at his reflection. Looks at his reflection, and, and his dad is talking to him yeah. in the clouds, and it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, ha! You cried more. <laughs> I cried more times. I just cried you more just intensely cried in one moment. But you were not the only one. Oh, there and we heard sniffles. So all many over. people sobbing sniffling and i'm sure everyone if their kids were there were looking at them like you good well because that happened in real life i watched the cartoon with like my best friend from childhood she's got a little four-year-old and we were watching it and we like weren't sure how she was gonna react and i think my i can't remember i feel like my friend cried a little and i Mm -hmm. was definitely like staring straight ahead but like tears full on rolling down and then we finally like looked at each other and she's like and i was like i'm fine like that friends meme where ross goes i'm fine yeah. and i did too. that's exactly how i was where i'm like no no, no i'm not I'm fine. <laughs> and my friend's uh little girl called scar a butthole <laughs> did she cry was she like she didn't she about was it? quiet and like concerned but i think it's like a too huge a concept to, mm-hmm. for a four-year-old did she did she ask about it later do you have any idea? i can't remember if th- she must have yeah um because i don't remember that i i mean i got death then but it, yeah. it and it was the first time I really saw death on screen yeah. and it affected me but it wasn't until I got a little older yeah. that it really cuz I, I I know I saw it in the theater and I asked I think I asked my mom I was like did I cry during that and she was and I think she said the same thing where I was like no you got very quiet and like a little you know it's serious you know it's yeah. upsetting but you but just don't fully get the concept fully get the concept and then there's some comfort I think especially if you're a little that he comes back to him in the clouds later. So it's like, well, he's not gone forever. Exactly. So that takes the edge off. And then, as the plot goes, they get right into Timon and Pumbaa. Thank God. Thank God. I I always thought that was the best best storytelling, (laughs) like, little band-aid you can put on it, is to to let you laugh that soon. Yeah. You need it. Because also... I mean, he literally, like, lies down to die yeah. in the middle of the desert to He's be gonna eaten get by eaten vultures. vultures. 
it is pretty dark. Like, it is about as bleak as it yeah. gets. Um, so I really loved the fact that they, you know, let them charge in literally. Yeah. <laughs> and brighten the day. And I think it's, I said it, and it's kind of, I wonder how it'll play for kids now, though, because it's, because it is photoreal and those lions look so real, if it will freak kids out sooner in life than, um, like, it, you know, younger. Well, I think the biggest, the biggest reason that it doesn't, because in my head, I, I was screaming, it looks so real! Yes, yes, but you don't see... <laughs> but you don't see any blood or gore or Yeah, anything, there's no blood obviously. or gore, you don't see him stop breathing. Right. Which I think that would be huge. Because yeah. especially, like, when you in, when death scenes happen in movies, and they're, like, breathing or, like, trying to say their last words and or then whatever, and then they stop, that's rough. Because you understand why Simba can think he's just sleeping, because yeah. he's just lying there, like... You didn't see the transition of yeah. him going away, um, so I think I think kids might still have the same reaction okay. to it that we yeah. do, not be quite as freaked out. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the whole full theater full of adults is like, oh my god. Yeah, I feel like the kids didn't know what was wrong. Kids are think... probably, you're right. Kids were probably like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, like, "Mom, why are you freaking out? We're in the Lion King. Do you like it that much?" I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, so that was that's just such an infamous moment. And so that for me was my main love of the movie was mm-hmm. all of the iconic moments, the iconography of even I loved watching baby Simba step into the paw. Yeah, um, that made you cry. That made me cry. That definitely made me cry. <laughs> Screw you, that made you cry. <laughs> cool. There was a few things. Didn't I already admit you to did, the fact that there were did. a few just kidding. Um but yeah, like it was really nice to see some of those big moments, some of the mm-hmm. some of the gift moments, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, done in this photo real way. Because I was someone from a very young age, probably because of this movie, that anthropomorphized animals. Oh yeah, and like always think about like what my dog is actually thinking or what she would say to me. And yeah. I'm sure some of you know that I actually speak for her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think some of that came from seeing the Lion King yeah. as a young kid. So actually seeing animals talk like this is kind of trippy because you're yeah. like, this is what I always imagined. This is what I always is wanted. It, exactly. This is what I think of when I'm watching a nature documentary. Yeah. Have you ever seen that show Too Cute? Yes. The best show ever. Truly the best show ever where they basically take you through these like baby um, like kittens and yeah, puppies through birth their birth to like, to, like eight weeks. Yeah the best show ever. And they narrate their lives and like what's going on with them and how they're relating to their siblings and stuff that's <laughs> going on with their mom and when they fall down. My favorite, my two favorite episodes are one, they have like Labrador puppies that are going to be like leader dog training or oh. do professional stuff but then they put a vest on one and it tips over and doesn't know what to do. It's like <laughs> just like its little legs go in the air and it's yes. the cutest thing. And I don't want to go to work. And then the other one is um there was some kind of like fancy breed of cat that had kittens, and mm-hmm. as they were explaining, and the two parent cats were like fancy, both the fan- same fancy breed. Yeah. And basically, I think it was like two white cats, and then the, cat- the kittens were all darker. Stop, yes. And then the narrator says, "If you're wondering, uh, yes, the kittens are meant to look like their parents." But uh, these kittens look an awful lot like the handsome cat next door, <laughs> and they cut into the. They bring in this photo of another cat from like the neighboring house. They basically <laughs> slut shame the cat. <laughs> basically, Maureen the cat. And you're like, okay, um, 
<laughs> but to the to the dad cat's you are credit, not the father to the dad's cat's credit he didn't seem to take issue with it and he understands that that's how it goes sometimes and they it, had a party they got a little swingy it just was like the funniest reveal so i've ever seen because you know sometimes like oh you you know, kittens come out one color, and like the color mm-hmm. changes. Or puppies, the same thing. And they're like, so those cats are gonna come out all different. But I just, <laughs> I did the narration stuck with me to this day. Well, like, now that you say it, I really want like shorts that have some the cat Lion next King door that are basically like a like a little mini reality show. I think that would have been very be entertaining. I, I want the reality show of the um, jungle area where Timon and Pumbaa live. I think that'd be yeah, like, that'd be so funny, super fun. <laughs> um, and then of course oh. we have to hit on. The king himself, Mufasa. Oh, yeah. James Earl Jones. Um, wonderful to have his voice performance mm-hmm. back as the only person returning from the 94 cast. Um, I was telling Elizabeth that, you know, it's something that if they really wanted to do, they could have done with his previous mm-hmm. voice work. Um, but he's such an icon. Yeah. That it really did lend, like, this extra gravitas to me. I know you mentioned that he sounded a little older. Uh, he sounds sound a little like old, he sounds a little tired, he sounds a little less like Dan, a little more like Grandpa, but I'm not going to take it away from him because he's James Earl freaking Jones. Mm-hmm. He can do as he pleases. He's also just an older gentleman now, so there's really not a <laughs> exactly. lot he can do. He, he got older. <laughs> what you going to do? Time progressed. What do you want? <laughs> um, what is something that didn't necessarily work for you, aside from the kind of, like, shot-for-shot nature? The shot-for-shot nature, um... I actually, uh, it comes back to the, our whole point that like, you can't do some of the cartoony stuff because it's photo real, but I, I was a little bummed at the change up of be prepared. Yeah. But I mean, it's actually quite campy in a way. I mean, he literally like. He fl- flails his mane. Yeah. And, uh, they do that, you know. And people were upset about the no, like, silky black mane. Yeah. Which, Lions with black manes exist, so I don't quite know why they did. I think it's I, really I, funny that you said that because so you could see me were like you googling. Lion we can hear you type. <laughs> we can hear you Google. <laughs> um, that I mean that didn't bother me also because I'm I'm pretty sure that his like lack of mane was supposed to kind of be prove he wasn't the alpha and was mm-hmm. like because I don't ever well, I, I can't knew he remember was, like, all my thinner and shaggier yeah. because he was hungry hungry and he's been beaten by uh, Mufasa physically yeah in like battle and stuff and so like in Black Panther yeah exactly um incidentally the uh king from Black Panther T'Challa's mm-hmm. dad was Rafiki yes um and for a minute I didn't think I thought he was only gonna speak um I'm not sure what African language it was, but he wasn't, didn't speak a lot of English at first. It mm-hmm, just was mm-hmm. speaking to himself in a way. Yeah. And then he, he opened up and I was like, I would have been cool if Rafiki had just not said anything yeah, it in been English. Fine by it would have been awesome. I would have been like, that is incredibly um, authentic really fun. and I am into it. So, but anyway, so the, the loss of Be Prepared is like not the end of the world because it makes sense within well, the Well, it does, movie. it's not totally not there. It's, it's just not. It's the, a different orchestration yes. that I didn't, you didn't love it. Lerve. It's fine. Because it, it's funny, he starts off, I almost didn't realize the song was starting because he's really doing like Rex Harrison sing-talking where, mm-hmm. uh, and then it kind of builds into like this different. Oh, yeah, it's like a, ha- it's more of like a spoken word. A spoken word album. And then he hits the note though, hits the big final he does, note, he does. which is cool. I didn't know Chiotel Ejiofor could sing like that, so that's cool. Yeah. And that's why I think. No, when he hit the note, I was like, "Oh, I wish they had done the song a little differently, so we could have heard him sing." But 
It's all right. I sort of felt like they were trying to mask. Maybe he's not the strongest singer. Oh, okay. But I don't know. (laughs) But I don't know. I've never heard him sing, so I have no idea. Yeah, I was like, that could have been somebody else for all I know. Yeah, but I do do appreciate that, Mm -hmm. unlike past Disney movies, they wanted everyone to sing their own stuff, Mm -hmm. which was evident. Um, Seth had, like, one bum note. Yeah, I mean, he's not a singer, but they made it work. Well, because everything else was amazing. Yeah. I was very impressed. The bum note came kind of early. Yeah. So I was like, oh. (laughs) And then it it got there. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, there's nothing that I didn't, like, enjoy in some way. I think it's just, it is. It's a good enough thing you didn't like. It is a little, like I said, with all the shot for shot stuff, it just does feel a little redundant in a way as, like. Like, I, I don't want to take anything away from the amazing cast they put together mm-hmm. and the the cool changes they made. We didn't talk about um, Billy Eichner singing Be Our Guest for a hot minute when they were you, distracting. You, you mentioned it briefly, that <laughs> the, there's a Beauty and the Beast moment. Oh, did I? Yeah, but you didn't really get into what oh, that yeah, moment was. So, so he, instead of the hula gag from the original, where they're going to distract the hyenas, um... If wisely, they, I think, switch that up. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to just, Timon and Pumbaa distract the hyenas, but with Pumbaa being the bait. Uh, but then Timon stands on top of him and does the... Full Lumiere. Yeah, Monsieur Mademoiselle, it is with greatest pride and deepest pleasure that we invite you to dinner. So pull up a chair. And then he starts to do B. I guess, and then they get attacked. Yeah, and it cuts it short. But it's like the whole audience was losing it because in that it was moment. a huge surprise. Yeah, I forgot about the Zazu moment when he uh, does "It's a Small World." Oh, he didn't do that in the movie. No, so one. I think that was kind of the nice the like change, the nod to the, the oh, Disney. Okay, um, the Disney legacy. So it's pretty cool. Because what's the other? Oh, he said, "I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts." There they are. I forgot about that one. Um, then, yeah, then he yes. goes into It's a Small World. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't want to take anything away, but it just, I I think I said in the theater, like, the ratio of, like, new to old wasn't strong enough to make it feel, in some ways, fully justified to do a remake. Mm-hmm. Whereas, even though I didn't love it that much, Aladdin changed a lot of things. To do some, yes. to do a slightly, it's still the same story. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But there was a, a lot of different story elements to mm-hmm. make the same overall story. Whereas this did had the same story elements and then the same story overall. My argument to counter that mm-hmm. is that this didn't need updating in the same right. way that that Aladdin did. True. Um, yes, they were, they both were able to give their female lead Mm -hmm. a much stronger story, but that didn't necessarily change the story of this one. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was still her goal to protect the pride in the same way. This just gave us a little more of seeing her be a more vocal leader and, uh, in making sense why she was kind of the perfect queen to mm-hmm. Simba's king. Because she has, like, a really cool sequence where she's trying to sneak out of Pride Rock, and that yeah. was a really good tense, like... So, very stressful. Yeah. There was a lot of things that actually were a lot scarier for me because <laughs> they were not in the original movie. Yeah. So you didn't know what was going to happen or how they were going to handle it. Yeah. Um, and I, But a lot of that was played off of the fact that 
you had to watch these animals move in a way that mm-hmm. animals can actually move. Yeah. That made sense. So they couldn't, like, put them in these situations that were more, just impossible. Yeah, because I kept picturing more cartoony things that I remembered and then was like, oh, well, they're gonna... Da-da. Like, even... This is little, but I noticed um, when Rafiki, like, holds up Simba in Circle yeah. of Life, he's still sitting in a little spot. Yeah, he's not standing. He didn't plant his feet in stand-ups super straight to do it and i thought huh and then i went oh but that's actually more how like um not baboons no is he a baboon? um what is he he is a mandrel yeah didn't even type it in <laughs> stared off I into did. space yeah <laughs> but um yeah that's not how monkeys or apes like yeah. move so it yeah. makes sense um Although, thank God they didn't, like, animate a big red butt or something. <laughs> no, because mandos don't have those. That's right. You're right. I'm thinking of baboons again. Sorry. Yep. They're, re- they're semi-related. They're similar, but... They're, yeah, they're in the same family-ish. I did really like the animation on Rafiki's eyes, actually, Beautiful. a lot. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, what did I not like that yes. much? What did you not like? And I, it's not even to say that, like, I'm not... Oh, well, I, I said this as we were walking out of the theater. Some of the updates... We're so current mm-hmm. that I wonder if they'll still be funny. Like, right. there's this, like, joke, like, this I can't joke yeah. that is very, very current. But at the same time, I feel like that probably also happened in 94, that there are some yeah. jokes that aren't really totally timeless. And I do oh. feel like movies are supposed to be a time capsule, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're supposed to get a sense of what was going on politically, sociopolitically, yeah. um, in, in, in terms of humor and culture at the time. It's actually why I ended up eventually loving um, Gatsby, mm-hmm. uh, Baz Luhrmann's Gatsby, yeah. even though the first time I watched it, didn't really care for it, then remembered that the reason why I hate Gatsby is because, like, everyone in the movie and story <laughs> itself is despic- despicable. Yeah, that um, suck. <laughs> but, but Baz's interpretation of it is actually brilliant. And I always knew that the decision to use, like, rap music and stuff was yeah. actually really brilliant um, because that's what would have been, like, to our right. to our time what is kind of like counterculture it, yeah. because it fits. Um, a modern jazz. Exactly. Exa- that's exactly <laughs> what he called it, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is, but the flashiness and the beauty yeah. of it eventually ended up working for me. Uh, so I, I get that. I get that there, that it doesn't have to be totally timeless mm-hmm. to work. Um, I mean, Aladdin, as much as I love it, those are all references that I think kids now the, the impressions and stuff that the genie does, you would get that they're funny, but you wouldn't get the full context. Yeah. Um, You're talking about in the original? Yeah, in the cartoon. Yeah. Because know, they're the imp- just people that are a little bit older. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole separate generation, or since probably mm-hmm. in some cases, like, two generations removed yeah. from, like, if my niece and nephew were to watch it now. They yeah. Would, you, would, you get that they're funny. You get that there's something to it. Because I, it, you know, I've seen parody. I There's parody movies and stuff that I had seen. And then you get older and you watch the actual movie that's being parodied yes. in some way. And then you're like, oh my God, that's even funnier. I had no idea. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I do think that that will kind of end up working itself mm-hmm. out with this one. Um, as much as I wanted, I went in thinking that it was going to overplay itself on the nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. For me, it worked all the way around. Mm-hmm. There was never a moment, especially when they were creating some of the more iconic scenes that I felt like they were overdoing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe why I like the shot for shot so much is because they didn't 
try too hard Mm -hmm. to like put their stamp on it it was already perfect the way it was yeah it's like don't mess it up you guys can add flavor to other places like when they um added more to the lion sleeps tonight song and like added more in and there's some like kind of fun like lighthearted jokes with the critters that's great do that to that song don't do that to um, Hakuna Matata. Yeah. I want to see Hakuna Matata pretty much the way it is. Mm-hmm. I want to see them walk across the, the, bridge. the bridge. I need to see the moon shot. Like, these are things mm-hmm. that... It sounds weird to, like, watch a movie with a checklist. Because, <laughs> like, when West Side Story comes out, and I oh, don't want to see that being a shot-for-shot shot remake of West Side yeah, Story. Yeah, I don't... I don't well, because I would... Because now, too, the staginess of that adaptation would drive i think a lot of people bonkers yeah um i mean that's not even that stagey of an adaptation all the dance stuff in the beginning is very more yeah. modern of that time yeah but yeah there's it's i want it different <laughs> yeah but i mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be different slash the same and that's yeah. why i feel like remakes and reboots always kind of have their hands tied a bit mm-hmm. yeah i mean aside from like not making it to me this is the best it could have been made. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have enough complaints. Yeah, I was I was going to say, as much as I was like, it feels a little unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, but you could make that argument for all of these remakes in a way. Yeah. Um, there was no it, need there was to no, do a new no Lion need, King. But the one they put out was a good version. Yeah. And I would say maybe better than Aladdin. They're definitely better. Yeah. Than oh, Aladdin. it's definitely better than Aladdin, and I yeah. and I found Aladdin to be incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't. I want. I don't want to this say this one's tighter. not. Yeah. It's it's shorter. It's a little shorter. The pace and the pacing felt right because I didn't realize it's almost two hours, but yeah. it still moved at what felt like the pace of the cartoon, which yeah. is only like about ninety minutes. Yeah. So this one's about twenty minutes longer. Yeah. Not bad in terms of what they added and took away. It is still like bringing in mm-hmm. about less than two hours. Um, where Aladdin was longer than two yeah. hours, which was totally unnecessary. Um, well, and speaking of necessary versus unnecessary, the trailer for Mulan has been yes. out for a few days. I'm very intrigued, thrilled, and very excited. I th- and I think some people are like, "Well, there's no Eddie Murphy Mushu in the car," you know. Be a man. I love "Be a Man." That's a great yeah. song. It's a great sequence. It's the same thing though, where they're doing a different take of it they're not recreating the cartoon they're going back to the original they're going back to the original story they're doing it more like an epic yes and a classic epic and what's important about that too is that mulan as beloved as it is in america Mm -hmm. it was very controversial it was widely thought to be very disrespectful Mm -hmm. with some of the way that things were portrayed for sure Um, you know it was kind of a peak disneyfying other cultures like pocahontas and mulan are Beloved, well, Pocahontas not so much. That really kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, but it, it, the the mo- when it first came well out, loved. people loved Pocahontas. Oh, I had all the Pocahontas toys. All yeah. of them. I was Pocahontas for Halloween. Only a little dress costume. Nothing mm-hmm. offensive. I want to point mm-hmm. that out right now. There's no way on God's rear if my mom no. would have let me done anything other than the little costume she yes, put together. Yes, of course. <laughs> Which is fine. And, and I fully believe that it's okay for people of other cultures right. to appreciate and want to mm-hmm. play other people because... Let's just get to the aerial of it all. Yeah, I, let's do it. <laughs> I never had a black Disney princess, so at best I would get to play the friend, but more often I would be playing either like a white character or like an animal character. Mm-hmm. When we played Spice Girls, I was always scared. They always 
try to make me be scary spice. Say, did you want to be scary spice? Hell no. I was always posh spice and Hell I put yeah. my foot down. You're very posh. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. And I was, can't see you as a scary spice. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> other than I'm black. Uh, uh, Pen15 actually deals with this. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't watched it in, in their series as well. Um, but it is so important. I read a tweet by somebody about the idea that um, what Ariel did for redheads in mm-hmm. terms of making them beautiful and making the jokes yeah. go away, that they hope that this yeah. will be that same kind of moment for young black girls, and that's exactly what this is supposed to be. Also, Ariel is a mermaid. She's a fictional freaking mermaid. Mm-hmm. So, unless we were going to cast a purple Ursula, yeah, I don't know why we need to make that movie photo real. Right? Like, mermaids don't exist, so who cares? Here's what color they what are. What color they are. And, again, we already had a... So we, of course, had... I remember when I was a little girl in this whole same time frame, we had um, the Brandy and mm-hmm. uh, Whitney Houston oh, Cinderella. Cinderella's so good. It's so good, <laughs> and it was hugely important for me as a little girl. Um, and then even the idea that Whoopi and What's-His-Face from Mr. Alias, Andrews from Titanic... I love how we're just like coming up with two totally different roles. <laughs> the poor guy can't think of his Victor Garber. Victor Garber name. made an and Asian creep baby? from Legally Blonde. If we're gonna the professor. Oh yeah, he's a creepy professor. That they made a, a little Asian prince. <laughs> that that that's the kind of colorblind casting that I feel like you always kind of like dream yeah, for. Oh. Um, so the fact that we're still gonna wait and see, obviously, who else is cast mm-hmm. um, in the Little Mermaid. But casting Halle Bailey is a genius move yeah. for Disney, mostly just because the girl can sing her face off. Oh, I know. I finally, like, I, I didn't, I don't know much about her and her sister. And also, I thought her and her sister were twins. I did not realize they were not yeah. actually. They look so twin-like. It's so funny to me. Yeah. Um, but then I I saw, like, everyone posting the clip of her singing, so I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. She's that's a beautiful voice. Oh my God. Of course you would, you'd wander into the sea to hear that. (laughs) Truly. She has the voice of an angel. It's really interesting to see. So for people who don't know, Chloe and Hallie are also protégés of Beyonce. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, They, she um, discovered them and they were two of the first artists on her label. And so over the years before they got on Grownish and all of that, Mm -hmm. they were pushed super hard by Beyonce's people. And so we would see them at every event and interview them all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because we were like, Beyonce's going to like us if we do. <laughs> and also because they're very, very sweet girls. Yeah. And they're very, very, very talented. Mm-hmm. So seeing their rise has been wonderful. And then obviously getting Beyonce in this, someone like tweeted a joke that like she, you know, she finally gets in the room with Disney and she's like, and listen, I have some recommendations for all the rest of your movies. Yeah. And like starts listing out all the people and that she recommend- wants to have And yeah. by recommendations... I mean, directives. Exactly. These are on my writer. By the way, I own this company now. Um, You own everything, but I own you. There you go. (laughs) Everything the light touches is mine. (laughs) Um, She took this role really to heart. Um, But I I love that they're giving this young girl a chance. I can't wait to see who we cast as Prince Eric and stuff. Mm -hmm. I do also appreciate everyone tweeting that we really have to stop casting people that are like 40 years old to be her boyfriend. She's 19. That's disgusting. Someone tweeted and then apologized. Um, Niall DeMarco, who was on America's Next Top Model, very insanely handsome. Yes. 
uh, deaf actor, and they were saying, oh, wouldn't it be, like, I think a neat... he even tweeted that as well. Yeah, I think he tweeted it himself, and then somebody retweeted it. Yeah. And I, and he certainly, I don't think, is like, yeah, let me date a 19-year-old. Um, but the person who, like, retweeted it and then was, and pointed out, like, the story element of, like, oh, it'd be neat if he was deaf and couldn't hear, and then that was yeah, a twist on the whole voice thing, and da-da-da. But then they were like, oh, I did not realize... I think, A, how young Hal he is, and then B, that he's, like, in his 30s. Yeah, it's, like, like no, little gross. No, That sorry. would be the 90s version of yeah. this movie. And same thing, like, uh, with, like, just handsome actors, like, Henry Golding's too old for, you know, mm-hmm. she's a teen. She's a teenager. Yeah. Or at barely 20 or whatever, you gotta get someone younger yeah. in there. Yeah, it's gotta it, be. It's gotta it's be. It's gotta be age appropriate. Someone with, I'll say, within five years of her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, max. Yeah. Yeah. I just need... I just Five need, is the highest you Yeah, I don't need her to have, like, an extra daddy complex. She already has an issue with the fact that her dad won't let her get legs. <laughs> I, I don't always, want her to run her off to new new daddy. <laughs> I always like the joke that it's like, you know you're getting older when you watch The Little Mermaid, and she's like, I'm 16, I'm not a child anymore, and you agree with King Triton, and you're like, yes, you are. <laughs> you're like, you did. And that was the whole thing with Simba. He's like, I don't want to be a cub. Well, you are. Well, you are, kid. I don't know what you know about you're cub a, life. You're a cute, little, round-eared, adorable cub. How cute. <laughs> With your little fluffy tail. So round And your little baby nose. You're so cute. <laughs> Literally, those little those little cubs oh were truly the cutest animals I've ever seen. I like it. That's why I was losing it when he was in the gorge in the first place on the little tree. I was like, you looked like a real lost little kitty cat. I want to go right? on the screen and do I'm like, save please him. don't. Like, what is wrong with you? It also, like every other movie so far this year, has made me be like, yeah, this whole kids thing. I don't <laughs> think I'm interested. <laughs> what turned you off kids? Us. Um, that would be a big one. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this one, the kids are bad. I just saw this movie, uh, Loose, that's coming out soon, L-U-C-E. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Don't really want kids after that. Oh, boy. I'm perpetually scarred from We Need to Talk About Kevin, oh, yeah. so, uh, you know, we need to see something where the kids are cute. <laughs> Even that movie where they adopt, where Mike Wahlberg adopts the oh, children, yeah. which is actually very cute. I never did see that. Very cute. Watched on a plane. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, that sort of made me consider children. But I like my dog, who, by the way, I immediately tried to pick up when we got home, uh, and our little producer was having none of it. She was like, excuse me, I didn't go see this movie. I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. I'll I'll give the movie credit, because I didn't think until after the fact about any of the Kimmy Schmidt stuff where Titus was going to do Lion King on Broadway. And he auditions by, like, holding up a cat and doing the circle of life. Um, it's the circle of life. I actually tried to make myself not cry during the climactic, oh so sad, you know, long live the king, and that's me oh, doing Jeremy yeah. Irons, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, thank you. Um, trying to think of the memes I've seen about it where, like, actual cats seem to be doing that, oh, and that yeah. it's way funnier, because it's, it's like a cat in a house, and it's not even remotely sad. It's so. not going to be actual death that I'm awaits the other I'm not cat. even kidding. In my head, I was like, think of the memes. Think of the memes! Yes. <laughs> but I was still crying. Still crying. Still crying so very hard. Yeah. But it was very cute. Mm-hmm. I, 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 we talked about him singing. I actually really like Chiwetel Ejiofor's performance. So he's a great villain. Really good. And it's, it's a very different scar than yeah. Jeremy Irons. He's not nearly as bitchy. Yeah, Jeremy Irons is very camp, which I love. I love a good, like... 
Well, the whole movie is much more vaudevillian. Yeah, it's, it's very, very over stagey. the top. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole, you know, it's cartoony, and that's, he was a cartoon villain. Yeah. And this is a photoreal villain. <laughs> yep. And, you know, just a little more grounded. Yes. Not it's so British, though. Not so British. British, but not like Jeremy Irons British. That's a, yeah, I don't know what. He didn't have an accent, right? Choose House? He did, a, but it. But it was. It wasn't his, was his natural, like, yeah. British accent. He was, it broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he sounds like my friend's husband who's, like, super London-born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although his accent's toned down since he's, like, moved here, but he'll... Thank God, speak American. Just kidding. Just <laughs> no, kidding. But he'll... It ramps up if he, like, goes home. Oh, yeah. It's drunk. like, when I, get, when I get drunk or go to the South, it is a whole different world. <laughs> I go home and I just get more nasal. <laughs> you get home and you sound like you belong and drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Woo, thank God that came out on Hulu. That's my. That's a whole other podcast, though. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> voice of an angel. That one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about Beyonce? Yeah, true. I am. I am. Um. Well, okay. So this was obviously a very spoiler-filled discussion yes. of the Lion King. So we know you've already seen it. So tell us about what you loved, what you hated. Did you think this movie needed to be made? Do you not care and like it anyway? Which is basically where I stand on it. Uh, whether or not it needed to be here, it's here, and I love it. Is there a long-forgotten cartoon of Disney's past that you would like to be made into a live-action film? And, yeah, like, what do you think the future for these live-action films really is? I mean, obviously they're going to make them until the end of time, until they go through the entire library. 2040? Real lions. <laughs> exactly. 2040, we will have learned how to direct we'll, real lions we'll have in genetic, a humane no, way. We'll have genetically engineered lions that can act. And by the way, when you say we, you do mean Disney Yes. will. Not Disney. like not like real scientists, but Disney scientists. Disney scientists. Imagineers! <laughs> Imagineers will have created genetically modified lions, warthogs, and meerkats, and will put on the best live-action Lion King ever. Truly ever. Although now I'm picturing, like, a horrible Island of Dr. Moreau situation where they don't actually talk, they just, like, sound vaguely human and are screaming, and it's a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, in their heads, it's not going great. (laughs) It's not going great. But weirdly enough, I was thinking, I was like, what do those Imagineers do now, now that we have so much technology? Or are they responsible for all the technology? I don't think we want to know what the Imagineers are doing. I I think we might already have just nailed it. We might need to, they might be coming for us. They're on us. Uh, if they're not onto us, the Bajancy's gonna the get Bajancy. us. The <laughs> Bajancy. Oh, what a good sketch that was. And with that, good night. Thank you. <laughs> Watch can out for the Bajancy. Can, can you feel the love? Good night. <laughs>